We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to a new edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I am Jake Burns here with OBR colleague Jack Duffin. If you do not know Jack by now, you've probably been living under a rock uh, because he's on our website every single day, providing the most in-depth salary cap content, knowledge, understanding uh, I think you can find in this market for the Cleveland Browns. And we're happy to have him. Obviously, he's doing great stuff for us. And I try to get uh, about a pot a quarter with Jack when big news breaks. And then we like to do a little pre free agency, pre draft look at, you know, where the salary cap health sits. All right. So Jack, what's up, man? Welcome in. I'm doing good. It's that time of the year where people go from reading my stuff to actually going, right, we need to delve a little bit more in and <laughs> what, what is coming up. Um, That's right, man. Fun That's time right. of year. It is a fun time of year. You know, this is the blank slate. You get to, re, you know, get excited about your team again. They make additions. They let go of the uh, negative, right? I think there's a lot of opportunity here for the Browns to get even better than they were last year. So let's dig into the the uh, nitty gritty, right? So let's do this with an overall cap health. Like, enlighten us, Jack, on where they're at right now in, like, the how much money they currently sit with their cap figure where that is in the NFL, and then sort of we'll go from there in terms of what they can do about that number, but enlighten us where they're at at the start of the new league year. Yeah, so their current position is minus 19.6 million. That's including rollover, everything extra they had from last year, um, just because they spend so much money, thanks Jimmy, um, that they're always just going to start in a negative spot. But if we're looking at where they rank and how much they're spending, they're currently the fifth highest spenders already for the 2024 season. So they're investing this money. It's not like they're just in negative because they're there. And there is one, two, three, four, five, six teams with biggest, more negative space than them. Obviously, the Saints are always 32nd um, at this stage of the year. Um, so they're in negative, but I'm not worrying at all. Yeah, let's get into explaining why you're not worried at all, right? It boils down to a couple key factors that I think we've covered on this pod before. But yeah, I think at the heart of it is understanding how you see that number, a negative number, and how they get to the point that you think that they can be players in free agency to an extent and still be in relatively good cap shape after some of these contracts, which they've, including Grant Delpit now, they've they've passed out quite a few of these things. So it's just um, understanding, again, how they spend so much, but how they can still be in a decent spot to keep spending, if you want to enlighten us on that. Yeah, so kind of what were happening, if we look back at the last three years, Jimmy Haslam is just giving loads of cash. Um, and what that's allowing Andrew Berry to do is just spend it, because it's not just having the cash, it's the ability to spend it. So Jimmy opens up doors and options for how they structure contracts. And what Andrew Berry's doing is... It's, bit like you might do with a sofa you buy now you pay later and they're just spreading that charge out over many many years and because the salary cap keeps going up effectively whatever the salary cap is 
say it's 100 million, it's obviously much more than that, but just for easy numbers, they're going to spend about 120 million, 20% higher than whatever the average annual salary cap is in a year. So what they're doing is they're putting it on the credit card and spreading it out. And people always like, oh, the credit card's going to come due. If the salary cap was flat and it was going to stay the same every year for the next 10 years, there would be a problem and the bill would come due. The salary cap keeps rising and it's rising at approximately sort of, it changes around seven, eight, sometimes nine, uh, 9% a year. But because that keeps going up, they're effectively spending the salary cap in two years time. And because it keeps going up in two years time, there's going to be more money. There's going to be more money. So they can open up about another 85 million if they restructured everyone. Probably not going to restructure everyone. Last year, um, it was basically Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb were the two players. They didn't restructure everyone else. They kind of did. Um, And it's why I'll hold my hands up. In terms of salary cap position, dead cap, stuff like that, I basically don't look at it. Um, It's something that I, I don't really look at because... It's much better looking at the cash budget. How much are they roughly going to spend if we say this is the salary cap number? Let's put 20% on that. That's how much they're probably going to spend just on the 53-man roster. That's not money that they're going to keep over for in-season. They need to sign a Flacco or Hunt, someone like that. Um, focus on the cash and the cap and the manipulation. That will take care of itself. And, like, again, other teams can't do this because their owners don't have cash on hand to – to go over the number or walk us through that one more time? Yeah, so um, teams are just held to the restraint of, so they could restructure and push cap into the future. So the Bengals, for instance, could be sat there with like 80 million of cap space each year. The reason they don't want to do that is they would just be telling everyone in the league and their entire fan base that your owner's just refusing to put the money in and it would look really bad for the ownership. So the ownership's like, hey, Keep it close to that sort of, there's a little bit of cap space so you can manoeuvre in the year, but let's not tell everyone we're being tight. Um, yeah. So it's one that teams could create a lot of cap space, but they all, they almost don't want to. And also, if you're going into a negotiation with a player and you're suddenly like, hey, we've got 80 million of cap space, they want a little bit more, whereas you can plead poverty. And that's yeah. why they won't restructure everyone straight away. Right on. Okay, so salary cap number this year, what did you project it to be and what did it land on? So... I didn't really project how much they'd roll over and stuff like that. But in terms of the cash spend, I projected it and I was about two and a half, three million out. And a lot of that was on Cade York. If Cade York kicked better and we don't add Hopkins, that's like two million and I'd have more or less been there. So the cash projection, really, really accurate. And I was shocked because it's the first time I've really gone out and gone, keep an eye on this number. And we actually got really close. So uh, I was really proud with that one. The restructure stuff this year. Who do you think they're, if you're looking at the list, you're talking about being able to create 80 million. Who do you think they're going to go ahead and restructure this season just off the top of your head? So the default where you start is to Sean Watson. Um, They're going to create 35.832 million of cap space. So he's going to go from a number of 63.977 mil, and that's going to come down to 28.145, which is the lowest that can get to. And that was like ten million more than last year. Was it eighteen they got it down to last year? Am I wrong on that? Uh, Nineteen point zero five seven last year. Okay, but got it. All right. Effectively, what that is, the base salaries are all at the minimum. But you've got the first year of the restructures, which was in the initial contract. The second year, and now the third year, and um, yeah, it's just those three adding up. Got it. Okay, so we'll deal with Watson's contract a little bit more at the end here, but uh. Yeah, keep going. Just just rattle off who you think and how much they're going to open up with each one. So Denzel Ward, I would say, is the next one I feel really good about. Um, that's 11.4 million. Let's do a bit of rounding because we're going right into tiny numbers otherwise. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of the two most obvious. And we've got a whole hump of group of deals. So Garrett, Batonio, Teller, Njoku, Tomlinson, Thornhill, Okronko, Pochich, Delpit. They will auto-restructure um, because the way their contracts... Um, designed it automatically happens so it's how they're kind of doing all their deals now moving forward similar to the way the Eagles did Jalen Hurts so you won't hear about a Garrett restructure it was already done last year Um, got it so some of them will fly under the radar Um, and then Wills is probably one that makes a lot of sense to restructure um, just to kick that out for another year from his high number obviously 
you're only going to restructure him once you 100% know he's not on the trade block. Because once you restructure, you can't then trade that contract. It's yeah. done. Yeah. Um, so that would be a big indicator if they, re, if they you know restructured his deal that they were not going to move him before the year. Yeah. And then Got the it. other guys are Cooper, Chubb, and Conklin. Um, I think you're probably going to see the way they'll deal with Chubb's contract, similar to Jack Conklin two years ago. They'll sort of guarantee two-thirds of it. A third will be incentives, um, and then he'll come back. Um, but yeah, the chances of him playing on that 12.2 million is very low, yeah. I would say. Yeah, right on. Okay, well, um, let's talk about the numbers. So you, you have an exact figure you you know loosely here. They obviously have to put a, a hold on some money for the draft too. So what's their draft number hold? And then what like do you expect them to enter free agency thinking we can play around with this amount of money? Yeah, so the, the draft won't be too costly for them. Let's see. It's nice going low on the list of uh, teams in the draft because we actually won some games. Um, yeah, they, they don't have a first, so that helps a little bit, right? The net salary cap impact is going to be $1.2 million. Um, wow. So really low because whenever you draft and add players in, you're dropping someone off at the same time um, because you only account for the top 51 contracts in the offseason. So you might see a report that says, hey, they've got to pay, what's the... Uh, the update number it's about like six million for um their 6.7 million for all their draft picks and people go well where are we going to find that money you don't need to worry yeah. because you're only going to pay the ones that are earning above your 51st most expensive player got it makes sense perfect all right so going into free agency what's your number and then off of that jack it turns into like should browns fans be expecting them to chase a big name uh so and like like in your opinion what is the top kind of salary number you could see them putting to one player? Yeah, so I've kind of got around $26 million as their net spend. Um, and when I say net spend, if they add someone that's, say, costing $2 million, you only need to account for $1 million there because you're going to drop yeah. someone off of $1 million. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to be too aggressive because in terms of free agents you're losing – other than Zadarius Smith, no one else is going to get three million plus, um, which yeah. is a great place to be. That you're like, hey, we're just going to add guys, um, because you're losing not much. Uh, you've got a deal, and the reason why I think Zadarius might go move that money to JOK. Um, he's extension eligible with the turn of the new league year. That would probably come in June, July time, not straight away. Um, so there's a chance they look to pay him. Maybe one big splash. If you were to move on from Teller, now it opens up a lot of doors and there's some really fun wide receiver names that you could throw a lot of money around. If we're saying biggest deal, 12 million, maybe Gabe Davis, um, I think that's probably the heights of where you're looking. So about a, a 12 million player, we'd be surprised if they go all too deep. So rollover-wise, do you see them carrying some rollover again? the same way they always have to, to stay ahead of the curve there? Or what's your thought? Yeah, as we approach the season, and it might not happen a lot of it until roster cut down day, they will start just restructuring deals. Um, and that just gives them more wiggle room through the season. Because if you lose someone from injury, you want that flexibility to go and grab a guy, maybe look out for that trade a few years ago when Von Miller um, jumped to the Rams. Um, that kind of flexibility. Um, and it makes sense. There is no point... Um, not creating flexibility when you can. Doesn't mean you don't spend it, but you build that. And as well, we don't know the final salary cap number, so that's something just to keep in mind. We're working at $242 million at the moment based on overcaps numbers. That could go up near 250 And hey, if it goes up $10 million, that's $12 million more into my cash projections where I just have to uh, cycle that through. So what the final salary cap number lands on, you've got to be thinking that... That's 120% of that we're probably going to spend in that range on the 53-man roster. So opens up some options. And obviously, hey, if they cut Teller, that 12 million ceiling suddenly becomes about 20 million. They could go out and make a real splash. Okay, so what I want to ask is, do you see them, If is this the year where they could surprise you, I guess, and make some all-in push? I know we've talked about this in the past, how they like to keep flexibility 
but they're getting older, Jack, right? Miles is approaching 30, the same with Watson. Coop's 30 this offseason. Nick is older. I'm just curious if you think they're not maybe an L.A. Rams push here, but like, you know, we're talking about holding on to some rollover, doing some different things. Do you think that they're at a point where they would jeopardize some of the long-term security because somebody relevant becomes available? Say like Jonathan Allen, a defensive tackle they love, Washington on the block gets traded for a late pick. Or I know past years we've talked like DeForest Buckner. If there's somebody like that, a real chance for like, um, even hypothetically speaking, Stefan Diggs to chase him or something. Do you think this is the type of situation they put themselves to go all in after something like that? Or would you expect them to still be hesitant? I think if they did that, you're probably looking at someone departing. Um, so I think it would be a balancing act because uh, I believe they want to continue this long term. The issue is if you throw a load in this year, you have to start winding it down sort of the 120%. Maybe if you went 130% this year, you might do 115 the next two. And it kind of reduces your extra efficiency every year. So I think it would be a balancing game. This offseason is going to look pretty much similar to last offseason in terms of sort of the roster is there was a lot of nice moves last year I think this year's more stability next year all hell can break loose because they have outs in so many contracts near enough everyone they can move on from next year you're obviously not going to move on from Miles Garrett etc but they can get out of a lot of deals and a lot of deals like Miles get extended at that point and that changes the scope of sort of how the roster's built because he might go up to Hey, well, he's on 25 million a year now. Suddenly that might jump yeah. and to God knows what he's going to be worth then, yeah. but a lot. 33, 34, something okay. spicy, right? Um, okay, let's close with this. Where are you on um, – I have a couple specific player questions. You just mentioned Miles. We're talking about that. So you think an extension start discussion with him starts to happen? Because, he's again, he's, I think he's going to play this year at 29. I don't think he turns 30 until after the season. Like, what is what does it look like? What's the next deal like for him in terms of time time frame? Is there like a, you know, is it next off season? Is it the following year? Do you like? I'm curious what you think about where where Miles' money next contract is. You know, the ever elusive second, not the second to be his third contract, right? Yeah. So you never really want to extend a guy um, with three years left in his deal. Um, Aaron Donald forced it. And the reason he was able to force it with the Rams because he just went, oh, I might retire. And then suddenly you're in a really dangerous position there as a team where you can't risk losing that guy. Whereas Miles isn't, he's not old enough to threaten retirement yet. So I think you're looking at next off season um, where it will get done. He'll have two years left then and it kind of makes sense. Hey, Nick Bose is at 34. So I guess his conversation starts at 35. Um, and it's one where he might just add sort of two years onto his deal, or it might be three, but you're going to mix that in with the two he's already still got. You're not going to just rip up that old contract and give him a new one. You're going to say, hey, you might have two years left. Let's put, would that be 35, nearly 100 million over three years, just over that, onto the end and mix it through. But Miles Garrett's going to retire at Brown. I, I would hope so. It would it would end uh, it would be ugly if it went in that direction. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. So it would just uh, be let's... a horrendous injury that derails everything. That but you never know. Yeah. At the end of the day, if he's thirty four, thirty five, and he bounces around somewhere, it's not the end of the world. It's after it's that the Von Miller Von Miller effect yeah. sort of thing there, right? Um, I next extension that seems to matter is JOK. Where, where do you come in on that? Do you think he gets an eight million range? Like he's pretty damn important to this defense man so it's like you can't really brush him to the side here but you also can't pay him something something wild i have another question off of that too jack i was talking with andrew about it maybe you listened to it the other day what is the tag for for an inside linebacker is it the same as like they group those outside linebacker edge rushers together so it's impossible you won't see an inside linebacker tag no you're not going to see a tag the nfl is a joke when it comes to positions yeah i can't believe they haven't designated that correctly it's it would be a no-brainer just to yeah. go, right, put these guys together, put those guys together, but uh, they can't work it out, um, which is shocking. That is wild. So, okay, so the the tag's out the window, quite obviously. If it was like a, 
10, 11, like running backs, or I think at 12, like you could start to maybe consider that, but you're not considering it at what? 17, 18. It might even be more than that. 20. Is it at 20? Let's have a look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it could be something close to 20 and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not very feasible to, um, to think about that. It's going to be nuts, whatever it is. Yeah. I think we saw it the other day looking at it was like at least somewhere between 18 to 20. Nonetheless, not, not on too important. Uh, it is important to understand it's way above. 2.7. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. So it's more than the edge. Where do you th- That's just nuts. Yeah, where, <laughs> it is nuts. It is really nuts how they classify that. So where do you think it sits? Like, are you talking like 8, 9, 10? Like, what's, your num- what's the number? So I think it's going to probably sit around the 10 million mark. Um, and this is where it's, it's tough to know because lots of will linebackers will hit free agency because teams just don't tend to extend them very often. It's not like a Mike linebacker where teams are like, I really want my Mike. Um, they're seen as much more important to coaches and sort of how they structure that difference. You can probably speak to that better than me. But, but the thing that gets tricky, Jack, is that he is sort of morphed into their every down linebacker now by the end of the year. So the Browns have put him in this position to make a Mike linebacker argument because you're typically your Mike argument is this guy doesn't leave the field. He's calling plays. He's on the field every snap. Even when we go six, seven DBs, he's our lone backer. That's different. Will maybe plays 80% of those snaps, something he's, uh, we'll see what the data looks like this year, but by the end of the year, and I know you were tracking this pretty heavily, like he's on the field nonstop. So you start to get to the point of like some some discussion about he's he's in that mold. He's he's unique in that sense, right? And I think he's going to call plays for him this year. Yeah, because there was a weird sort of three, four game spell in the middle where he dropped to like less than two thirds of snaps. And straight away, I was like, can someone please just ask Jim Schwartz the question? Because you don't expect to see someone drop to that level when he's a great player. Um, I think it's one that if you had a poor defense. Not luxury is the wrong word, but he is that if you are struggling because he'll make quick moves and he'll shoot gaps, if your defense isn't very good, it won't look great and he'll cause holes. Yep. He's boom and bust. He's going to be the, around everything that's amazing and he's going to be around everything where he leaves a slight hole because he shot the gap too early. Um, but when you've got such a talented defense, that's a really nice piece to have. Um, I think it's just where do they settle on the number? Um, I think they'll want to get it done. And it's the same school of thought as the Eagles. Identify early, pay early. So I think they'll be keen to get the deal done. I think around 10 million is right. He's had seven career games, I want to say now, where he's hit 90% plus of snaps. Um, Mm -hmm. And that will start to play in his favor. And they have more confidence he can stay out there. Yeah, But it will be a shift. Looks like Frankie Louvu on the market there is projected 330 Three for 30, 17 million guaranteed, about 10 per year. So that's like something you could possibly expect. Yeah, I think 10 is a nice number for a player, an agent to go, hey, we, we hit double digits. Um, and I think it works. If you, I think it'll probably only be a three year deal. But if it's three years, 30 million, um, guarantee 20 of it. And you can obviously wash in this last cheap year to balance that down. So you're probably looking around, what that'd be like, 8 million each of the next four years in yeah. terms of cash payments. Um, right on and you, you can structure that the question though is they've never spent more than i think 10 million on their entire linebacker room with everyone combined um yep. where have we got it here um, where that's why i think they're going to draft one jack at some point in this draft they're going to they're going to middle of the road try to hit on somebody like they they're they're going to do it i think it depends if they go and bring back tacky and walker which i think could happen then they might just go into it of going, hey, we've got JOK, and then either Fields or Diabate, bring back Adams, um, and then sort of an open contest for that linebacker six. But as you said, it could be a draft. I think, I think they yeah. might. One of, the, one of those vets are coming back. I, I, I wouldn't be stunned if both come back and they say we're not going to leave it up in the air to the draft at all. Uh, that, that's certainly because it's not like there's like five guys that you feel pretty good about in the top 100 it's not a very deep linebacker draft but it is one where i think in that pick 85 range or if they moved around and gained another pick in the like 90 to 110 they could get interested but but yeah man it is it's going to be slim picking so they're going to have to be smart i think i think those two vets are definitely on the table yeah and I, so the average last four years has been seven and a half million on either 
basically six linebackers. So they yeah. don't tend to play much. And that's why Zadarius Smith probably not coming back opens up that question of if you go and find an edge that's, say, four to five million and you have a rotation with Okoronkwo, that free agent, with Wright, yeah. that's how you balance out moving that money because it then goes from the D-line into the linebacker room and, and you keep that stability there. So it's one where people go, oh, I'll just pay that guy. And it's like, great. We don't bring back Sterris Smith. It's like, no, I want to bring back Sterris Smith as well. It's like some part of the roster's got to pay for giving out seven and a half million to a linebacker. Yeah, not many are pulling uh, money out of those rooms, right? It's it's a, it's a tricky balance when you're going toward competing. All right, um, last thing before Marcus we get out, Davenport. contract, right? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Watson's contract. Are we are we in worry territory here, Jack? I know the idea has been he's good enough that it doesn't matter. You just you extend him and you keep doing this in perpetuity for a while, but we're we're walking a dangerous line here. Are you officially worried about this? Like the question, I have two questions for you. First is the are you worried part. The second part is like if this goes the worst imaginable thing here, when can they get out of it? I mean, I know they got to pay him the money, but like when do you envision them being done with him? Like, when would that be to you? So th- that's a tricky one. I'm not trying to paint this negatively, but, and I know we have done a better job through you explaining this contract to people everywhere, it seems. But I think we're getting to the point now where the production is like, it's possible, but we're still not seeing it two years into this operation. And he's coming off a massive surgery. So it's concerning, but I'm curious, like where you're sitting with it. And, and then like, how you envision the Browns if this becomes the worst case scenario handling this contract? Yeah, so I'd say with the numbers, it's best to just view it as the cash. So it's 46 million each of the years. Don't get too focused on the dead cap, the other stuff there, but remember it's fully guaranteed. So if you're going to trade him off, you effectively need a team to take on 46 million a year, which no team's going to now take on three years of 46 million each of the next three years and go, hey, we'll, we'll take that and we'll ride with that. We feel good. So plan A was always do three years and then you extend him and maybe add three or four or five onto the back of it and you spread it out. That's not, I don't think, unless he has a phenomenal year this year, I don't think an extension's here. So we're going to push it until the end of year four that's the point that if he put together two seasons, even if he was just top 16 quarterback, we're not talking he's up there with any of the best. He's just top 16 and you're like, hey, that's ticks long. And that's all we need. The fact that Jimmy Haslam's throwing 50 million a year extra into the pot, well, that pays for Watson itself. Um, It gives you the spot where you can continue just to push this on. So I think plan A now is let's do two years and go through. Once that year falls over, and if he struggles a lot, then that's probably the point where you go out and you draft someone. Um, and, and you chat to other teams after year four and go, look, does anyone want to trade for him? We'll take on half of it. We'll pay 23 million. You pay 23 million and we'll send him to you for a fifth. Um, but I think it'd be year five. It'd only be the final year you could get out of. Um, so if this goes worst case scenario, and like, what's the fattest cap number the Browns would have to carry? If they're restructuring every year, it could be it'll be a record. You're talking like 120. So if he was willing to put in, so with like Sadera Smith, he's got like a two days into the New Year deal, which allows them to post June first and split the dead cap over two years. If you could get that agreement from him, then you could, in theory, you could restructure all five years and you can just cut him after that. Um, yeah. The question is, how friendly would his camp be? To doing that and it might be something they approach him with this year but his camp might be like no we don't want to do that all right well if we have this conversation next off season it could get real spicy pretty quickly let's hope it uh let's hope it doesn't happen and it takes a turn for the better for the sake of brown salary cap discussions because then you start to get into like some negative territory real quick so all right jack this was great man uh, really appreciate your insight buddy and um you know i don't have to tell people where to find you they know you're at the obr and they they know your Twitter account. They can find you. They're already a fan. So uh, we appreciate Jack stopping by. We are going to take a quick break and then uh, a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, so you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that Game Time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so if you missed the first part of the podcast, we had Jack Duffin on. We did a ton of conversation about the big picture of the salary cap. Now we bring in Andrew Spade, who joins me. We are two idiots with the salary cap, trying to make sense of what we think is an under-discussed part of this thing, like like the Deshaun Watson thing. Okay, so let's lay this out as clearly as we can. The Browns get Watson for 22. They set it up, low number, 9 million, right? They set it that way. That essentially was a way of restructuring without restructuring. Then they do a formal restructure in 23 to get it down to 19 and some change on the cap, right? So what we're what we're trying to make sure people understand, and Andrew brought this up, and I think it's a good thing to talk about, is the Browns are essentially, if they do restructure, which Jack mentioned before the break, is like a $35 million number to help their cap this offseason, to create flexibility. If they make that decision to restructure Andrew, it basically locks Deshaun Watson in here for 2026. That's a huge deal because as I talked to Jack about at the end before break, like if the Browns aren't certain this guy can be their guy for the next seven to eight years, they're, probably already having some discussion about how they get out of this contract. If they don't touch the contract, they can get out of it before 2026. A big number, 63 million is a big number to have as a dead cap number, but they can get out of it before 2026. The player's gone. The cap number is a one-year deal. I think, Andrew, they could possibly stretch that over two years, if I uh, recall this how this works correctly. But that's how they could get out of it. If they decide to restructure Watson down from his forty-six, sorry, his sixty-three number down to twenty-eight, they're locking him into twenty twenty-six. I, mean, I, I know you can clean up some details there, but like essentially, explain Andrew why they can't like wait another year and then cut him. Like they can't just cut him before twenty-five, and there's right. a reason for that. Right. So, so the the way that it works is essentially the 
the cap numbers of future years would accelerate onto this year's cap. So for example, if they, if they cut, just go ahead. Well, no, I just want to remind everybody that if you want to follow along visually, yeah, go to over the cap so you can yes. see the numbers that yes. we're talking about. Go to Deshaun about. Watson's. So, yeah. So if they if they cut him, I mean, designated him a post June one cut this year, they would have one hundred and fifty five million dollars in dead money on the cap. Insane. So it actually it actually makes his cap number ninety two million dollars worse because future years accelerate to this year. The same thing happens next year. So he's he is essentially immovable for the next two years absent a trade, which I, I think we all agree is very unlikely, right? Yes. So the first year right now that you could potentially stomach getting out of this deal is 2026, because the cap number at that point is 64 million dollars, and it would it would it's on the cap either way, right? So you're either paying him to be on the roster, or you're paying him to not be on the roster, but releasing him doesn't affect it. And by that time, the cap is probably around what two seventy, two eighty. Yeah, it's like twenty two and a half percent of the cap. Right. So it's it's bad. It's not good, but it's survivable. And especially considering the way the Browns handle their finances, yeah, spending more in cash than they do, you know, on the cap, it's it's possible that they could work around that. And then Jack mentioned before the break too that they have structured a lot of their deals, Andrew, to have ways in the twenty five season leading into twenty five to be able to be really flexible with getting out of deals. So that's something else to note. And the whole, like the Browns are mapping out the next three years because right now they're in a Deshaun Watson era, 24 to 26. You're mentioning something really important here, which is this decision for 2024 and the ramifications that it has down the line. And I don't think people understand that. Right. So it does create cap space. So this is why you want to do it, right? Because they're over the cap currently it would be very hard for them to do what they need to do this year in the 2024 offseason. It's about to start if they don't restructure Deshaun Watson because his his number on the cap would then be $64 million, right? So you're talking about saving $30 million or thereabouts. More than that. Sorry, almost $40 million, $35 million. So that's important for the Browns and where they are. $35 million changes what they can do during the offseason immensely, obviously. But there is also the fact that every time they restructure him, they are pushing money into the future. And the idea with that is that when you have a franchise quarterback, that quarterback is talented enough that it's a no-brainer to extend them, which means that the money just can continue to get pushed into the future almost indefinitely. And so you, you, the cap relief you get is by that player retiring at the end of a very long and successful career you don't have to worry about paying the piper in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Watson situation do, between the health issues and some on-field inconsistency is that he might not be worth extending. And so the question that the Browns are facing, and I, I think I think they're going to restructure him. I think I'm pretty confident they're going to restructure him. But I, I want to flag it as a potential inflection point because I think there's still a road to getting out of this deal after the next two years if they don't restructure him, even though it makes the next two years harder. So essentially, Andrew, what they're deciding right now is the $35 million of cap space flexibility that they get from a restructure right now, the ability to go sign some people, do some different things. Is it worth doing for Watson right now and locking him into 2026? Because what you could do is not do his restructure, do others, a lot of others, right? You know, you could you could update Nick's contract, Amari Cooper's contract. There's way there are a ton of guys. Denzel is another one. You can uh, restructure a lot of these guys. Maybe even move on from Wyatt Teller potentially, and and have like a very tight cap situation this year, next year, but have that way out of twenty six. But if you're saying we have to do this for Watson right now to get flexibility to put a, a more competitive team on the field, you are locking him into 2026. And that part of it, based on what we have seen, the injury history, not just the play on the field, which has had moments of good, but the injury history, the the, the style of play, the ongoing stuff with court cases still happening. You have to start to wonder whether they're asking this question. 
And I guess the big question here, Andrew, do you think it's possible that they don't restructure this thing? And if they don't, would that send the message to Watson's camp about where they are in a very rough way? Yeah. Well, that's it. I, if I, I think I would say it's probably like what 80, 20, maybe a 90, 10 that they do restructure it because they understand yeah. that the only, I mean, in a very real sense, the only way through this or the only way out of this is through, right? Like you, this is not a situation where you can kind of pull the plug early. They knew that when they signed a fully guaranteed contract of that magnitude, that that the only way that they were going to manage those cap hits was to push them. So that's the bargain that they've made. And the it, probably the best way for this team to move forward, and arguably even the best way for Watson to be better, is to surround him with as much talent as possible to help him on his way, which means making cap space. So I do think it's very likely that this gets done. I just wanted to bring it up because the the reason that that it it everything is in the balance is if he doesn't get restructured this year, then yes, it would be a very clear message that they are preparing for a future where he is not the starting quarterback. I again, I don't think that's what's happening. The the hiring of Ken Dorsey, everything they've done tells you that they're doubling down on making this work because they understand they almost have to for the future of the franchise. But I I I just think it's worth flagging as an inflection point because every I'll say it again, every time they restructure his contract, they are committing to him having a further impact on the salary cap for years in the future. Yeah, so what you need to understand is he is if they make the restructure here through 2026. It's not, it's not getting like Andrew mentioned, it's not like each year will be 63 million. It accelerates. So you can't just cut him in 25. Then if he's restructured this offseason, you can't just recut him before 26. It increases his dead cap on the on the number. The Browns have put themselves in a very difficult situation here. And Watson not playing well enough and being hurt the way he's been hurt is also making this more uncomfortable you probably and again i think that's the reason the conversation is happening i have not seen anyone else bring this up that that they're making a decision on 26 with this restructure because if they do 24 restructure they do 25 restructure the 26 dead cap if they were to try to do something like it would be like jack said before the break it would be astronaut it would be 150 million it would be it would be unbearable so then the effort would be to try and smooth that over by pushing it into future years through some sort of mechanism on his way out the door. But you're yeah. essentially relying on his people, his people doing you a favor, which uh, I have bad news about David Mugetta and how he does business. Uh, that's, that is, that's favors bad. are not really his, his business. So, and I guess, Andrew, what you would ask is like, do you think by 2027, they're saying we, our best chance to have a competent quarterback through 2026 is Watson coming right. back to life, whatever, whatever. If 27 comes to pass and he's not with us anymore, we're just in tear it down phase. Watson is right. done. Miles is 31. Maybe you trade him at that point because right. he still has some value. You know, you're you're moving on from a lot of pieces and you're ripping this thing down to the studs and rebuilding it from ground zero. Which is hard to talk about considering that so far they've got one playoff win to to show for the the uh, this era, right? Like, yeah, but you, this... you have to think that on the whiteboard, this is this yeah. is how they have to map it out, right? So, yeah, I think that basically the two options are either they try and pull out of this nosedive, which is a, a very depressing way of characterizing this contract, but I think also fairly accurate. They are, this is their last chance to pull up out of the nosedive. Is I guess why I wanted to bring this up because I think you can with the way they manage the, their finances against the cap. I think you could afford to pay him 63, 64 on the cap the next three years, but he would only be on the roster for two of those. And I think if you like enough of Dorian Thompson Robinson's play, he could be even be the starter. And Watson is a, a game day inactive every game of 2025. And you're paying him to not even be in the building. Yeah. Or you I, think there's a possibility that like. They do have a first a, round pick next year. You get a first round pick the yeah. next year. And, and if Watson stinks, and the team can't pull out a miracle 11 win season out of the depths of of hell essentially football hell that you're going to have a decent pick and you can try to draft another quarterback it, it's right. 
it's not pretty. No matter what no, way we go about no, this, and this, this is, is and th- I recognize that this is a dis- depressing conversation to have, but I just thought it was worth taking this opportunity, given what we've seen over two seasons in Cleveland. It's worth mentioning that this is probably the last exit for them, even though they would be getting on the exit ramp now and not getting off the ride for two more years, calendar years. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth flagging because. If they do this restructure, then they are further incentivized to do further restructures. Uh, Almost the beyond point, incentive. Would you say like the, like they, they're demanded? They'd have to. It's Yeah, it becomes essentially yeah. mandatory to the point yeah. where he would be on the cap for multiple years beyond when he becomes a free agent. And yep. you, would be, you would be paying dead cap, kind of like how they're still paying dead cap for John Johnson now. Yeah. You'd be paying dead cap for Watson all the way out through – if they restructure him every year, there would be dead cap on the roster all the way out through 2028. His cap hit would be $54 million in 2028. Now, you know, the, if the cap goes up 10% every year, that becomes more palatable. But if the player is bad for the foreseeable future, the fact that you're still paying him dead cap in five years is very unpalatable. So, not great. And it's like he's going to make enough to offset stuff here, right? He right. would, his contracts, right. if he anywhere it, he went at that point, yeah. it would be as a, yeah. So I just wanted to bring it up because, like I said, I think this is the last off ramp. I don't think they take it. I think that they, when they signed this contract, they knew that they were on board with this player for seven, eight years, which is part of what you have to use when you're evaluating their decision to do this. It is. That they were comfortable making that sort of a commitment to that sort of a person and that player for that long. But I do think that's the reality of the situation. I just wanted to point out that there is one sort of survivable path forward. I don't think beyond this year there really is. A $74 million cap hit does feel pretty terminal <laughs> for your ability to build a competitive roster in the yeah. NFL, whereas... I know it's only $10 million, but I do think it's it's an important $10 million, I guess. It is, uh, like you said, the only way through this is through the storm, and that's him becoming respectable again, right? That's that's the, the only path is respectability in 24 to the point that in 24 or into 25, you start to talk with his people about an extension. That's it. And we have talked about this, Andrew, many times now, this offseason since his injury. As far as looking at an asset getting into his early 30s, do you feel like he is an asset that is appreciating? It's hard to feel that way based on play style. So I'm, you know, we're not trying to bring negative optics to everything here, but I think the questions are the questions that the Browns have to be. If they're not asking these questions, that's that's scary. But they, you know, we're assuming they are, and um, the the conversation five years from now is just the total missed evaluation on what the ramifications of the person Deshaun Watson had on the player Deshaun Watson, and they totally missed that. They they totally yep. just thought yep. that that those two things were separate, and that in life is not doesn't go that way. Just doesn't go that way. Right. It was an immense gamble to try and short circuit the quarterback. Uh, roulette wheel that everybody has to play when you don't have one and they I you know so far they've they've busted I it's not over right because there there is absolutely a path Jake where he comes back through the injury and with a new offensive coordinator and and somebody who's going to coach him differently than Alex Van Pelt has certainly and find something in 24 and listen as somebody that does not relish the idea of watching the Browns play inconsequential football it's obviously my desire that he get back to that type of quarterback. But yeah. I think like what you said about the injury piece and the, the mental side, I think that there's plenty of questions and they all frame it in such a way that if I was running this team, I would be looking for a way to get out of this sooner rather than later, because there's nothing that I've seen that tells me through two years, this is trending in such a direction that being connected to this guy financially long-term is going to be helpful to the franchise. Yeah. It makes the next three, four weeks extremely compelling. I mean, it does in, in a lot of different ways. So we wanted to cover that. I think that every angle now is covered in a way that you probably haven't thought about. Uh, and I don't think it's being really covered locally, let alone nationally uh, for all the people talking about the Cleveland Browns. So 
you know, right on a good idea from Andrew to bring this up. And hopefully there's, like I said, there's the, the silver lining is that he could just be better. He could get back to the version that he was before, and that would solve everybody's issue. But what is the data in the film and all of that told us so far and the age increasing and the body getting hurt that like the trends, if you want to say he's just going to do this, you're ignoring the trends. You're just ignoring them. And you can't really live that way when you're projecting your football team. You can't do it. But the Browns might be so over the barrel here that they have to do it. And that's a sad reality that we could be looking at. So anyway, mega salary cap podcast started really fun. Didn't end so fun, but I think we covered everything you need to know about where the Browns are collectively uh, around everything that they're doing, um, both in the immediate and both the decisions that have ramifications well into the future. So, Andrew, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, hanging out and doing this, man. Always a good time, Jake. All right, guys, we'll be back. You know that we'll have an episode here. Um, I swear I keep saying this, but we will get to the recap of 23 positions. We only have a few more to go, three more. We'll get to those, I promise, probably through the weekend and plenty of more good stuff coming as the NFL news. Uh, I think the NFL news probably starts over the weekend and gets really busy in the next week. And we'll have gosh, I hope so. Yeah, it's been still more quiet than I like. (laughs) So we'll have it covered for you when it drops, I promise. But I feel like we between franchise tag players, between the potential roster cuts of contracts and now this uh, understanding of where the Browns are with the salary cap, you have every piece of information you need to know about players that could be available. At the top end, players that could be available on the cut line and then how your Cleveland Browns can acquire some of them or not, right? And the decisions they're making that have ramifications into the future. So that's a pod. Swing by the OBR.com and check out. Become a member um, of a great online Browns community. Thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast as you guys have continued to do. We appreciate that. And as I always say, thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Be well. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.